everyone. Welcome to the Horror Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Horror Geek Mel, and with me is my co-host, Justin Corbett. And for those of you who don't know, I am the owner and editor-in-chief of Horror Geek Life, which covers all things horror, geek, and gaming. And I am a writer at HorrorGeekLife.com, as well as a contributing editor. Okay, so this week we covered a lot on Horror Geek Life. And so uh, let's go ahead and start with some horror news. Uh, so the first thing we have in horror news is that Andy Muschietti, who is the director of Mama and the upcoming It film, wants to remake Pet Cemetery, which I know is a, a very key film in your horror fandom. <laughs> it is, yes. That was my first horror film. It's kind of near and dear to my heart. <laughs> How do you feel about them making a remake? You know, I, I don't always huff and puff when I hear about a remake, but this one I kind of huffed and puffed a little bit because it just doesn't need it. It still holds up all I, these years later. I think it does, too. Um, I think it really sort of depends how good of a job he does with it. Because, yes. like, I mean, we still haven't seen that yet. That comes out September 8th, which is just a few weeks away. I rewatched the original not that long ago. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and uh, it scared mm-hmm. the crap out of me. It was the only movie in my entire life that I watched that actually terrified me because mm-hmm. I was like eight years old when I watched it. Um, if the new version is just as scary as the old version was, then I have a lot of faith in him going forward with something like this. But uh, if not, if it ends up being like over the top cheesy or goofy or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And you know, my main concern is Zelda because in the original Zelda was so shocking and Zelda just terrified everybody and still does. There are horror fans that can watch, you know, the scariest films out there and Zelda still gets to them. And I don't know how you would ever recreate this shock and surprise that that character brought. So I guess we'll see if it happens. It would be hard. They definitely have to change some things around to make that work. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so moving on, we have some geek news as well. Disney is apparently going to be starting its own streaming service in 2019. Uh, there's going to be all new titles that are going to be exclusive to this new service. Uh, they won't be available on Netflix where Disney is currently housed. Uh, but there's no word on what they're going to do with earlier and older Disney and Marvel titles. I could see this working, especially now that they have Marvel um, and all of these amazing films coming out. I don't think people are going to be happy about spending another $10 a month to be able to see those films, but I could see it working. I am kind of on the fence about this one. I think Netflix knew this was coming because they announced earlier they were acquiring Millar World, which Mm -hmm. is Mark Millar's comic book company. Right. Uh, So they're going to be producing a lot of his stories or the people that work for his stories as shows on Netflix now, which is going to be really cool. So I guess they're trying to replace the Disney stuff that's leaving with new content. So people can still Mm -hmm. get their like superhero fix. I personally couldn't see paying for a Disney service. I mean, as much as much as I love Marvel and as much of a comic book guy as I am, like I would find some other way to watch those shows. I would go and watch them at a friend's house, like if I knew somebody that had it. But I don't think it's enough for me to pay to own the Disney service. Yeah, same here. I I guess I'll have to see what their subscription plan offers, but um, I can't really see me paying for it for an extra subscription as well on top of Hulu and Netflix and a few other ones that we have. So I mean, at that point, you're basically paying for cable again. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Um, yeah, so I guess we'll see how that, how that goes, how it rolls out next, or I guess two years from now. Plus I I did see a comment online earlier, um, Mm -hmm. that really kind of made me chuckle and uh, it's basically Disney and chill doesn't have the same effect as Netflix. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it brings up different implications. So (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not. Uh, you have a point there. It's never going to work. It's going to fail right now because of that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yes, we'll see. Um, so in gaming news, I know we talked a lot last week about Friday the 13th, the game. Um, they had a lot of announcements and they have a couple more this week that I just want to mention. So a huge one that came out is that you can no longer team kill. Well, you can right now, but once the new patch comes out, you won't be able to anymore with two exceptions. The exceptions are going to be that you can still run other counselors over with cars and you can still catch them in a trap. The big change with the trap now, though, is that if you catch another counselor in a trap and it results in their death, you're not going to be uh, penalized with XP like you are right now. And so that's kind of a big deal um, because a lot of people have been complaining about how they get into games and and this is for public matches only. But they get into these public games and they're just immediately killed by other counselors who gang up on them or help Jason. So they're trying to alleviate that a little bit. Um, And so I've seen so much complaining about team killing. And now that they announced this, I see so much complaining that they're doing something about it. So it's a very weird thing. But it's just I guess it's just really hard to make everybody happy. It really is. And I see some pros and cons, you know, the, the pro being that you don't have to worry about getting team killed. Um, and then the con being that a troll could take the car keys, go into the lake and drown themselves <laughs> and just leave you stranded. <laughs> I mean, there's still so many ways to be an asshole, but I guess if you're going to be a jerk, you're just going to find a way to do it anyway. <laughs> so that, that was a pretty big announcement. Um, the other one is that they're going to have a DLC in the form of map variants. So there are three current maps right now. Uh, they're going to have quicker maps that are going to be reduced by 40%. And you pretty much are in this smaller map with Jason. They haven't said if his senses are going to be dulled or if he's going to have less abilities, if things are going to be easier for you as a counselor. But it's meant to be quicker. And it sounds like it really would be because <laughs> even in the maps they have right now, if it's a good Jason, you're dead anyway. Fast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, the maps so, are fairly large, but they're not they're not so big that you know it's insurmountable no. as you're as you're playing as Jason. And smaller ones would just make it so much easier, especially if he keeps his skill set. Yeah, absolutely. And so they haven't made any comments about how those changes or if there's even going to be any changes there. But um, just like the update with the team killing, it's going to be in a patch coming up. So all of that will just be included for free. Very cool. Yeah. So the second piece of gaming news tonight is about a platformer game called Slime Sands. Um, Slime Sands has been available on PC since April, and it just became available on the Nintendo Switch. And we had an opportunity to review that game uh, this week, and our reviewer had a lot of fun with it. He gave it four out of five stars. Uh, He did mention that it is very quick thinking, very fast paced. Um, so if you're not really up for that type of challenge, it probably wouldn't be something for you to check out. But right now it's a really affordable game. I believe he said 1499, uh, which is a really great price on the switch. Uh, you should definitely check out slime sands. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, let's move on from our real news to our strange and unusual news. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> so I've got three stories as always. The first one is about a man doing something very inappropriate in a movie theater. The second one is about a man doing something very inappropriate at a concert. And the third one is about a bunch of inappropriate men that work in a restaurant. <laughs> Which would you like I, to hear I'm first? I'm a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know what? It's classic. Let's go with the inappropriate actions in a movie theater. Okay. So the headline reads, Man sought for watching the Emoji movie with hands down his pants. And while that headline is quite funny, the uh, funnier part about it is that the film star, which is T.J. Miller, who I'm a big fan of, 
uh, responded mm-hmm. on Twitter with, it's that good. It really is. <laughs> it, it's not, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it is. It looks like a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> it really does. And, okay, it's pretty fucked up that he's doing this in a kid's movie because, obviously, there are probably kids in the theater. So let's just take that part out of it because that's disturbing enough. But, okay, so you're sitting in a theater with a poop emoji and your thought is to put your hands down your pants. I don't get it. I mean, maybe he was really bored watching the movie and just. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing better to do. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. (laughs) The story reads that uh, police in Howell, New Jersey, are trying to get their hands on a man who they say was fondling himself during a showing of the much maligned children's film. A woman was there with her kids and she noticed the heavyset man who was in his late 20s, early 30s, sitting alone in the back row of the theater with his hands down his pants. The woman reported the quote-unquote touchy situation to the theater employees who escorted him out, and then she later called the police. Luckily for us, the uh, cameras got a shot of the guy, and uh, he's basically a kind of overweight man wearing a white dress shirt, black pants, a yarmulke, and he has like a little bit of a beard, like a scruffy kind of thing. But yeah, he just looks like a, a chubby, nerdy guy with a little hat. So. so his face is just plastered out there as the guy who uh, tried to jerk it to the emoji movie. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So he'll go down in history, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, since we covered that, um, let's hear what happened at the concert. Hopefully it's not the same guy. <laughs> oh, hopefully not. Uh, I don't think so, though, because there's a picture of that guy as well. <laughs> so this headline reads, man accused of peeing on family at Metallica concert. Oh, <laughs> Uh, The judge for the case said it's one of the most disgusting scenarios he's ever read. A New Mexico man is facing charges of disorderly conduct and indecent exposure after he allegedly peed on a family at Friday's Metallica concert in Glendale, Arizona. His name is Daniel Daddio. (laughs) (laughs) With a name like that, you're destined to do this kind of shit. Like some fortune teller when he's like 13 is like, you're going to pee on a family, Daniel Daddio. Uh, he was arrested after a family of three told employees at the University of Phoenix Stadium that they felt warm liquid washing over their backs and legs. Aww. The father who was attending the show with his wife and 10-year-old daughter told police when he turned around, he saw the suspect holding his genitals. Police say the father confronted Daddio, who allegedly just shrugged. State troopers were called to the scene. They questioned Daddio, who denied peeing on the family, but they arrested him anyways. And they have a picture of him as well. And he he looks like Daniel Daddio. Is he drunk? Does he look drunk? He'd have to be, right? He looks really intense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the lifetime of dealing with that name and um, and really needing to pee makes you look really intense. And He's like, I just had enough. Um, today, <laughs> tonight's the night. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. Well, I'm glad he got caught. That's not cool. Yeah, that's not cool. You shouldn't pee on people, you know, unless it's consensual and you're both adults. (laughs) Okay, moving right along. (laughs) So the last story we have is the headline, Chinese restaurant offers women discounts based on their bra sizes. Women who wear A-cup bras were offered a 5% discount, while G-cup wearers could get up to 65% off of their meals. Uh, Basically, the larger the breast, the bigger the discount. This happened. Okay, wait. So how do they figure out how big... I mean, I'm assuming you can guess somewhat by looking, but do they have to check? Do they have to measure? That is a good question that is not explained in this article. Um, Damn it. I'm sure that the proprietors of this establishment are not beyond uh, measuring themselves. But this took place in Zhejiang province in China. Uh, the eatery, which is called Trendy Shrimp, <laughs> got a lot of blowback for its provocative price cuts. 
Uh, people said that they were, they were being discriminatory and vulgar, which, you know, they are. Uh, mm-hmm. But <laughs> there's a big sign up in the restaurant that says the whole city is looking for breasts. And uh, they had an accompanying image of animated female characters with varying breast sizes and a table showing how much of a price cut the woman could get based on her bra size. Maybe they just checked the tag on the bra to see. I mean, maybe. I I mean, I guess I'm thinking, am I that desperate to get a 50% off discount off my meal at Trendy Shrimp to show my bra size? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, the poster that said that was removed after a few days following a bunch of public backlash. Um, but the manager of the store said that he was defending the offer because he was insisting that customers had responded positively to it. Once they started that promotion, their customer numbers rose by about 20%. So he said several of the female customers that came in were very proud and had nothing to hide. Hey, I mean, I guess if you're proud and you're hungry and you know, you want a discount, you do what you got to do, right? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Oh man. Would you, uh, would you try to take that discount? (laughs) I mean, I like shrimp, so (laughs) don't judge me. (laughs) I'm not. Not at all. Okay. Well, moving right along. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So uh, we're actually going to have a Stephen King themed topic because Dark Tower was just released. um, And of course, as we mentioned earlier, there was some Pet Cemetery in the news. Um, It has been all over horror news lately because of the upcoming film. So we thought it would be fun to do a Stephen King themed show and talk about our favorite and least favorite TV and film adaptations. Yeah, definitely. Have you seen dark tower yet? I have not. I've read all the books. I'm a fan of the series. I've even read the prequel comics and I know that the uh, movie is supposed to be a continuation of the story after what happens in book seven. So it's not actually based on the original novels. It's a continuation of that story. So I'm really excited to see it. I just haven't had a chance yet. Yeah, same here. So we haven't had a chance to review it here at uh, Horror Geek Life yet, and I haven't got to see it yet either. Um, I know it's not doing so great with the professional critics. Uh, it has a pretty low Rotten Tomato score, but it seems to be doing a lot better with just audience goers. So I, think I kind also, of tend to- I think it also probably depends if people have read the book or not. I think it's one of those sort of things that if you've read the source material – you'll get a lot more out of it than Mm. just the regular moviegoer who isn't familiar with the story. I could see that. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to to seeing it. And so um, we'll go ahead and jump into some of our favorite Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. Um, I will kick it off by talking about one of mine. And we kind of mentioned it earlier, but uh, it's Pet Cemetery. It is one of my all-time favorite horror films. Um, it was actually my very first horror film around 1989 or 1990. Um, I totally aged myself there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember my parents and my older brother who was like eight years ahead of me. Um, They were staying up to watch the film. I wanted to watch it. I was very stubborn. And I snuck into the living room on my hands and knees. And I hid underneath an end table and watched the entire film. And I was terrified. I couldn't tell anybody I was terrified because I wasn't supposed to watch it. So I had nightmares for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's just always really stuck with me in a big way. Yeah, I, I saw Pet Cemetery much later in life. I was probably 15 or 16 when I watched it. And I mean, it's an excellent film, but it didn't really impact me the same way because, you know, obviously you were much younger when you saw it. Right. Uh, But for me, uh, the next movie on our list is the one that had that impact on me. Um, Stephen King's It. 
mm-hmm. was the first movie I ever watched that truly terrified me. Um, I had watched a lot of horror movies up until that point. Like I had friends in my neighborhood who had showed me child's play when I was like six. I had seen nightmare on Elm street when I was like six or seven. They didn't really do anything to me. I mean, yeah, they were bloody slasher flicks and you know, a lot of fun, but I saw the humor in them rather than the, the terror. It, however, has so many moments that are just really, really horrifying. If you're like nine years old watching that movie, I remember, uh, like the Iraqi war was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. and my parents had rented it and my sisters had watched it and they were like terrified. And I was like, Oh, you guys are wusses, whatever. I'll watch it too. And, uh, my mom and dad were up watching the war coverage and they just couldn't take anymore. So they're like, yeah, we'll watch it again. So I stayed up and we watched it and it was like 8 PM at night when we started watching it and it's a three hour movie. So we didn't finish until like 1130 and, uh, I couldn't sleep for like two weeks. I was just <laughs> horrified. Every, everything in that movie scared me because I didn't like spiders to begin with. So I was, I was afraid of spiders. Um, I never really was afraid of clowns, but Pennywise was such a, Tim Curry was just amazing in that role. And I've revisited it recently for the first time. I watched it uh, about three weeks ago. I haven't seen it since I was a kid and there's still a lot of moments in there that are like really intense. So, so what is the most intense moment in the film for you? Even today? It's probably where Pennywise disguises himself as the uh the girl beverly and he starts making out with the the guy in the bedroom and then Mm -hmm. he realizes what's going on he's like give me another kiss fat boy uh (laughs) i just wasn't expecting you know even today it still kind of caught me off guard i had forgotten that he had switched places in that moment um Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of great moments though just yeah definitely it's a it's full of shock value in a lot of places mine was always the house when they go into that house that that just terrified me absolutely Uh, but i've never read the novel I've never read the source material for it. And I've now that I've gone back and rewatched the movie, I think I'm going to. What I'm really hoping with the remake is that it's closer to the book because I've read the book twice now. Um, it, it's a pretty hefty read. It, it's not light reading at all. Um, but there are so many dark moments. I grew up loving the miniseries and I still love it today. I think it's still a really fun watch. Um, there are parts that still get to me. But whenever you read the novel, I mean, it is dark. It deals with some really dark storylines that aren't even really touched on in the miniseries for obvious reasons, because it is a miniseries. So I'm curious to see what they put into the film that's coming up. Well, also, there was stuff like the the suicide. I remember that being like so traumatic when I was a kid because it, I, mean, I mean, they didn't even show anything because it was made for TV. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that really sort of pushed the boundaries for what should be in like a made for TV miniseries of the early 90s. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. Uh, we recorded on VHS. You know how you used to uh, just take an old VHS tape and stick it in and record over whatever you were previously watching. You're dating both of us, but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I do remember. Um, yeah, so we recorded it that way, and I would just binge watch it all the time. So yeah, we'll see what happens with the film. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it, too. Um, so the next one on the list is 1428. Have you seen that one? I have not. I haven't read the short story either. So uh, the short stories from Everything's Eventual, which is a collection of short stories. You know, S- Stephen King has many, many of those. Um, it's actually my favorite collection of short stories, though. And 1428 is one of the three that really, really stuck out to me. Um, and I read it before the film came out. But the film stars uh, John Cusack, and he's a writer who goes to different locations that are supposed to be haunted, and uh, he just searches to debunk these hauntings. And so whenever he gets an invitation to check out a hotel room in New York City, he takes the invitation, and it is definitely not one that he can debunk. And 
I was actually surprised at how many scary moments they actually got into this film. But it actually had a really great uh, reaction from audiences. And, and so it was pretty surprising how well done it was. So the next one on the list, of course, is a classic, The Shining. And I know there's a lot of controversy between what happened with Stephen King's version, you know, but I love The Shining. I love the book as well. The book was a really great book. I'm a big fan of both as well. I remember when I read the book, uh, I was living in an apartment and it was kind of a creepy apartment and uh, I was sitting in bed just binge reading it and every single noise I would hear. Oh my God, I was terrified. (laughs) It was great though. Yeah, I think uh, I first read it when I was in college and it was during spring break, so everybody else was gone. So I was I was kind of in the same situation. Like I just kept my apartment very cold, and it was always <laughs> dark. And I would just sit in there, and I would read horror stories all the time. And uh, yeah, I read that one sitting alone in my apartment, and I heard all kinds of weird noises, and kind of freaked me out a little bit too. So, so what do you think about the film compared to the book? They're very different, but they're both great. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I can't say anything bad about the film just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, I completely agree. Have you read Dr. Sleep, which is supposed to be the sequel to The Shining? Um, I haven't. I actually have the book, but I haven't read a book in, I'm not even going to admit how long it's been since I've been able to sit down and read a book um, that isn't a comic book, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) I have it. I just haven't got to read it yet. Uh, Yeah, I have it as well. I picked it up at half price a few months ago, but I've... I've been too busy, but I'm going to, I'm going to read it. I'm really excited to read it. Yeah, me too. I need to put that on my list. I've read one book this year. I said at the beginning of the year, I'm going to read so many books this year and it's going to make up for me not reading anything, uh, for the last couple of years. And, um, I'm one book in, and it's August. (laughs) (laughs) There's still time. Maybe I'll make that book number two. (laughs) There's still time. For sure. Uh, so the last favorite that we're going to mention is Thinner. I love Thinner. <laughs> I love Thinner as well. The movie is so good. I mean, it's kind of hokey. It really is, uh, especially whenever he starts going from like fat to skinny. I mean, it gets kind of cheesy, but uh, I, I thought it was a really fun ride. It's really well executed and it's uh, it is a lot of fun. And I love the concept behind Thinner. I mean, just everything about it is so much fun. Mm hmm. The ending, um, you know, of course, you kind of get that all kind of ending because yeah. no one's a winner. <laughs> no one's a winner. <laughs> uh, reminds me of The Mist, which isn't on our list, but uh, that movie messed me up. Really? Well, have you seen it? I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, d- you didn't leave the theater or you didn't turn off the film and just think, wow, that was awful and I need to cry. <laughs> I mean, it affected me, but I don't think it messed me up for very long. I've, I mean, I've seen other films that really impacted me, but for some reason that one didn't. Have you watched the TV show that they just did? I haven't. I haven't heard great things about it, but I think because the one time that I, I saw the, the film, which was in theater, I was so distraught that I, I haven't watched the, the TV show. Understandable. Have you watched it? Uh, I have not. I have, I'm planning to, but uh, again, I'm super busy. <laughs> nah um do you want to move on to our least favorites sure let's uh bash some movies (laughs) (laughs) sorry steven if you're listening um okay so again i'll I'll kick this off and i kind of have a story with the one that i'm kicking it off with uh so dreamcatcher which of course is based on this the novel of the same name uh dreamcatcher i saw on our first date and it was awful. <laughs> that is not a first date movie. 
Yeah, I can't imagine that being like a great choice. <laughs> no, way too many bodily functions. Way just uh, no, it, it was just not a, a great thing. And so at the end of our day, it was our very first day, and you know we had the butterflies, and it was all exciting. And then we watched Dreamcatcher, and afterwards, I think we gave each other a half hug, and we said goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is a mood killer, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. But also, I didn't like the film. I did revisit it, just to make sure I didn't dislike it, because it ruined the entire night. But um, I I really wasn't a fan of it, even when I revisited. It's okay. It's not anywhere near my, like, favorites list. But I don't hate it or anything. Yeah, it's not one that I'll ever revisit, I think. Yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, it was there. It was a movie I watched and didn't completely hate. (laughs) Right, definitely. Uh, Well, the the movie I want to talk about is uh, the Desperation and Regulators made-for-TV film. Mm -hmm. Um, Desperation and Regulators were actually my first exposure to Stephen King as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, For Christmas one year, my parents got me both of those books, and I've read them probably 13 or 14 times each. Uh, I'm, I'm really a fan of that storyline. And I know it's not one of his most popular stories. I know it's not one of his most popular books, but uh, it holds a special place in my heart because it was one of the first books that really got me into like horror literature. And I love the fact that the storylines are kind of loosely tied together and were the beginnings of the idea for his multiverse and that all of his books and stories are going to be tied together and linked in <laughs> some way. Um, I thought that was such a cool concept, and that was really my first exposure to that as well. Uh, before I really even got a- aware of comic books doing the same sort of thing, which you know became my huge addiction <laughs> is right. comic books. But um, really, Stephen King was my first exposure to a multiverse. So I have a lot of uh, fond memories of Desperation and the Regulators, and the made-for-TV movie, unlike it, did not do the book justice at all didn't really incorporate any of the scariest moments. I mean, there was a couple scenes that were kind of cool, like where the sheriff's face peels back and stuff, but all in all, they just sort of failed at uh, at converting it. You know, I, I remember, uh, so I still have the book, uh, the regulators. And of course it was written under Richard, Richard Bachman. Um, I bought it for a quarter when I was a kid at a garage sale and I had no idea it was Stephen King because back then, you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't look things up like that. Right. And I I mean, I was, I I can't even remember how old I was, but I was definitely a kid and I bought this and I just started reading through it. And it was years before I ever knew that first it was Stephen King and second, it was related to, um, to another book. But I love both of the books once I finally did read uh, Desperation, but I have not seen the TV films. It's not atrocious, but it's not, it doesn't do the books justice at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, the next three on the list are all made for TV, miniseries, films, whatever you want to call them. And they just didn't really represent the uh, source material very well, I think, in my opinion, and maybe yours. And You, you can be a little more blunt than that. They just sort of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first one is Tommy Knockers. I hated Tommy Knockers. I did, too. I was not a fan at all. No, it was another one that we did record on VHS, and I tried to watch it a few times because I really wanted to be scared, and god damn it, it just <laughs> it just didn't do it. I remember renting it from Blockbuster, and I was super excited to see it because I, I was like, oh yeah, a new horror movie. No, no. Oh, and, it, and not even that it wasn't scary, but it just wasn't good. And I did eventually read the book, and I was like, okay, that, you know, it's not my favorite Stephen King book, but... Compared to the two, to the miniseries, uh. <laughs> it's, it's not great. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, the second one is the Langoliers. I have not actually seen this one. 
Okay, so The Langoliers is a short story uh, from the novella uh, from Four Past Midnight, and that's another one that I'm a really big fan of, and I like the short story. I don't even hate the film. It's just that the acting is so atrocious at times, and the graphics are beyond cheesy. Uh, there's like these little critters type of uh, of monsters that come and try to like eat these people on a plane, and it's just... Critters it's on a plane? Just, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it's beyond hokey, but I mean, it's fun if you're in the right mood for it. And it's one that I used to watch quite a bit also because we had all of these recorded. Um, and so it's another one that I watched a lot. It's just that if I had to sit down and watch it today, I, I just don't think I could get through the whole thing without fast forwarding a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's fun in, in, in some situations, I guess, but it's fun. It's fun for the nostalgia a, factor, right? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, and then the last one is we talked about the shining movie, but the shining TV series. Yes. <laughs> Did you ever catch that one? I have not seen the whole thing actually. You know, there ha- it's kind of gained a cult following in recent years. Uh, it's been sought after on DVD. Uh, people have been requesting that they get copies of it. It's kind of been a whole thing, like a resurgence where people all of a sudden have been searching for the Shining miniseries from the 90s. I have not. I haven't wanted to revisit it. (laughs) Uh, The kid from the movie annoyed the piss out of me (laughs) the first time I saw it and the second time I saw it. And so I just have not wanted to revisit. Yeah, I don't blame you. I was not a big fan of that kid either. Yeah, I think I watched like the first three parts of it and then I never got the opportunity to finish it, but I was never really like upset about it. Yeah. I'm a pretty big completionist. So that's a big thing for me to say. (laughs) Um. (laughs) You're going to be searching now the shiny (laughs) nineties mini series on DVD. Now that you reminded me about it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, uh, after I kind of kept seeing it pop up a lot on social media and people looking for it, I um, looked at looked some stuff up on YouTube, just watched some clips of it because it's been so long since I've seen it. And just this, just the short clips that I was watching, I'm like, this kid, man, <laughs> I can't watch this. So yeah, definitely not a favorite. Yeah. Not for me either. Well, that does it for our uh, Stephen King talk. Yeah. I think we covered a lot of Stephen King. I think so too. This this is going to be like a double episode. We've actually covered way more content than we normally do. Y'all are welcome. (laughs) Um, Okay. So our next segment is HGL loves indie where we talk about an indie project that we love that we want to share with our awesome listeners. And the indie project that I'm going to talk about this week is called super rad ray gun. And Super Rad Raygun is an indie game that was published by Screw Attack Games uh, right before they were acquired by Rooster Teeth. And so now the publisher is Rooster Teeth. Um, it came out last year. And we're actually going to have a Let's Play and a review out on Horror Geek Life sometime this week uh, for the game. But I got to play it while I was down at RTX, which is Rooster Teeth Expo in Austin. I had so much fun. It was actually one of my two favorite games that I played at RTX. It's kind of like, you remember those old Game Boy games, of course, with the monochrome and, uh, and you just kind of shoot everything in sight? Yeah to go along. So I have a lot of really fond memories playing my Game Boy and I felt like I was playing a Game Boy. That's it cool. was awesome. I'm not the one reviewing it. Um, I think the reviewers are really going to love it as well. I hope I haven't seen it yet as of the time that we're recording this, <laughs> 
But um, it was just such a great game. It is $9.99 on Steam. If you grew up playing Game Boys, just don't pass this one by. I guarantee you're going to have a lot of fun playing it. It's, it brings back all the all the nostalgia. Very cool. Um, yeah. I'm not much of a PC gamer, but if I run out of books and movies, maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I used to be exclusive to PC and now I've kind of moved into the Xbox territory. Um, but I'm trying to go back to PC a little bit and it, it's all kind of a balance, but, um, but this one, I couldn't wait to get home and actually buy. It was the the game that I came home thinking about from a, a big gaming expo. So I think that's a really good sign that it was a really fun game. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so next is HGL Recommends, and this is going to be a product or game or film or whatever that we love that we also want to recommend to our listeners. Uh, so my recommendation is Comet TV. Have you heard of Comet TV? I have not. Tell us about it. Okay, so Comet TV is a television channel that is dedicated to uh, sci-fi, and it has a lot of uh, cult classics. It has a lot of retro favorites. Um, it has television shows and movies that you can watch. So some of the TV shows that they show are uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, Poltergeist the Legacy, Stargate. So there's a lot of fun ones in there that we had grown up with and movies as well. They also have some horror films in there, um, some older stuff. So it's a pretty fun channel. Um, but you can get it on your PC. You can live stream it or you can get it on your uh, Rocky or Apple TV. So it's also on cable. It's not in my area for cable. So you just have to check on the website to see if it is. Um, but I actually watch it on my PC sometimes because I love Stargate SG-1. <laughs> So I have not watched that show in a long time. <laughs> I have either until uh, Comet TV and I kind of just like going to it sometimes when I just need to zone out and I just pull it up and um, it's actually probably on right now because they show that show a lot. <laughs> so I just kind of click over to it and uh, turn it on and and see what they're watching. So very cool. Uh, well, for me, the thing I'm going to recommend is something that's been consuming my every waking moment for the last two weeks. And that is a game that you recommended to me. Uh, <laughs> Fallout four. Um, oh yes. <laughs> <sighs> what have you done to me? <laughs> you know, when I ended fallout four, I had 880 hours in the game. I don't even know how I came up with that many hours to put into a game, but 880 hours. I've been playing for two weeks and I've already got three days and 14 hours of playtime. So, uh, I mean, and I haven't even like touched the main quest. I'm just I'm just doing side stuff. So the main quest is barely any any of my 800 hours. <laughs> I believe it. There's just too much to do. Like it's almost sure. overwhelming. But then it's just like, well, you just pick one thing and keep going, and it's so much fun. Um, I've played other Bethesda games in the past, like way back when. But this is the first one that I've done in years, and it's just amazing to me how much they've incorporated into it now. I mean, everything is interactable. Everything is maneuverable. Um, I love the fight system. I love vats. I love the monsters and the stories and like every NPC is like well thought out and well crafted. And I'm just having an absolute blast playing this game. So thanks for telling me to play it. And, uh, you know, I highly recommend it to anybody out there that has, you know, 800 hours to kill. So <laughs> absolutely. You know, I started, I, I was actually introduced into the fallout universe, I guess, uh, through fallout four. And then I, 
bought part three and New Vegas, and I just finished New Vegas uh, last week. I finished it two different ways, nerd, um, and it was an amazing, amazing game. So I'm going backwards. Uh, Fallout 3 is next, and then after I complete the DLC in New Vegas, and then I'm just going to keep going. I have these on my PC. I got this for two ninety nine at the summer sale, so it was Very a great nice. deal. Yeah, yeah so really nice. welcome to your new obsession. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> No, don't be. I'm enjoying it. Okay, well, that about wraps up our fourth episode of the Horror Geek Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And, of course, we'll be back next week bringing you more horror, geek, and gaming. For more information about our podcast, you can check out horrorgeeklife.com and click on the podcast link. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Horror Geek Life. If you want to follow me on Facebook or Twitter, you can find me under Horror Geek Mel. And if you'd like to follow me, I am at ComicalJC on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to check out my comic, it's at graybearcomics.com. It's called Speak No Evil. And uh, I'd appreciate any support. Okay, see y'all next week. Thanks, guys.